This is episode 78 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm welcoming Lori List to the show. Growing up in Texas, Lori wanted a horse more than anything else, but it simply wasn't in the cards. So instead, she read incessantly about horses and never got on a bicycle without imagining it was a horse. Knowing next to nothing about horses, Lori somehow managed to talk her way into a job at Robert Redford's Sundance Stables in her mid-20s, determined to immerse herself in the horse world and make up for lost time. She moved to Southern Oregon and bought her first horse just before she turned 30. In 2014, shortly after meeting her dream horse, Indy, Lori decided she wanted to find a way to connect kids with the magic of horses, and the idea of Pony Dreams was born. The idea turned into reality with the launch of PonyDreams.com and publication of The Smallest Horse in 2017. Lori is passionate about good horsemanship and competes in mountain trail. She also does mounted archery for fun. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Lori List. Lori, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Hi, Carly. It is amazing to be here. Thank you so much. Yes, and we're going to talk about the best things ever, right? Horses and writing <laughs> about them and pictures of them. But uh, as I always start off the podcast, I always love to ask my guests, Lori, how did your love affair with horses begin? I love this question. <laughs> There's a picture of me when I was, I don't know, before I could walk. And my dad is down on his hands and, hands and knees and pretending to be my horse. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I, like, I think most of us, many of us can relate. That's just in your DNA. I spent my childhood wanting nothing more than a horse. Like I never got on a bicycle without pretending that it was a horse. It was all I asked my parents for. And it just wasn't in the cards growing up for me to have a horse. And what's at some point as an adult, I, I was worried that maybe the fantasy was better than the reality that I had this thing in my head about what it was going to be like to have a horse and that that, you know, maybe it wasn't just what I thought it would be. So I didn't get my first horse until I was 29. I had just moved to Oregon where I live now. And I finally was able to get my first horse. So that's been, you know, 21 years ago. And I have to say that the reality is so much better than the fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) And every year, the more that I learn, the more wonderful it is. I'm just in awe of these creatures and that we get to develop this partnership with them and that they live. I mean, I've had my horse for seven years since she was seven. Mm -hmm. So she's almost 15, but she could live 15 more years. I mean, that's a really, really long relationship. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So I think I was just born with it. 
Oh my gosh. And, and you just explained so many amazing things. You know, I, I love how you said it's a partnership and the more you learn, the more in awe you are of these beautiful animals, because it's true. I mean, as a horse person, you never stop learning and developing the relationship and getting to know the animals better. And, and it is a long partnership. The fact that these animals can live to be 30 plus is incredible. That's like, that's a big chunk of our lives that we spend with these animals. Well, I was just going to say, I think the question that always amazes me is, is when I tell somebody, oh, I've got to go. I have a lesson with, you know, my trainer and they're like, well, don't you already know how to ride? <laughs> and it's like, if somebody was a tennis player or a soccer player and had done it their entire life and said they had a lesson, nobody would question it. Mm-hmm. And here we take the most complicated partnership and athletic discipline of all time because you're partnering with another creature that doesn't speak your language and has four legs and a mind of their own. And people are, are questioning why you need to like invest in learning more. It, it is really interesting. I mean, it is a sport of working as a team with something that can't speak your language. You just hit it, the nail on the head there. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. And there's always more to learn every single day. I learned something new for my horses. And as we started the interview and we were, you know, kind of debriefing and catching up about the interview for those of you watching us on YouTube or not watching us on YouTube, you have a beautiful oil painting over your shoulder. And I believe this is the heart horse you just referenced. And I'd love to hear more. It looks like she has a heart shaped star on her forehead. <laughs> Tell us about your yes, heart horse. This is my heart horse. I've had a lot of wonderful horses in my life and I've loved all of them, but this is Indy and she's a Morgan and she came along. So I, just a little bit of backstory. I said, I, I didn't get my first horse till I was 29, but at some point after getting horses and having horses, I wound up with some pretty serious health issues. I had to have back surgery and, um, there were a number of years where I didn't know if I could ever have a horse again or ride again. And Andy came along when I was just a little bit lost and, and she wound up being a rescue. She'd fallen through a bunch of cracks. And so she showed up and I didn't, I didn't know if I could ride, you know, I, I didn't know if it was possible for me to sit on a horse and, um, and she showed up and she really, she's a remarkable animal. Like she needed a person. I needed a horse. <laughs> so yeah, I'm forever grateful. And I honestly think she's the reason that I'm healthy again and that my back is good, you know, mm. like sitting on a horse, all those miles of gentle massage and core strength. And so, yeah, so I think we kind of healed each other. Oh my gosh, what a miraculous story. And and I love that you said I needed a horse in my life. It's not always about riding them. Uh, you know, they, they can heal you absolutely emotionally but then but then you've got back into the saddle which is even more incredible but you can have a partnership with them without having to ride oh for sure well I am so happy that she came into your life and that you've healed each other and you're building your partnership and I imagine your experience with horses has sort of led you to your author life you are an author of children's books and you have the website pony dreams talk to us about <laughs> Your, your writing career and, and how this sort of blossomed. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So for those of you who are watching online, this is my book It's called The Smallest Horse. And I'm kind of an accidental children's book author. <laughs> so we talked about how I didn't get to have horses when I was a kid. And then Indy came into my life and horses have so transformed my life. And I was so desperate for a connection with them when I was a kid that I started thinking about like, how can I better connect kids with horses? And so what, what I started really mulling over in my brain was how can I connect kids with horses? How can I foster that connection that I wanted as a child? I read everything there was to read about horses. And that was a wonderful escape and connection for me, but I kind of wanted to take it one step farther. So I had this idea that what if, what if there was a book about real horses and, and then I created a website where, so kids could read the book and then they could go online and they could go to the website and they could actually meet the horses in the book. And so all of the horses in my book are real. My horse, Indy, is one of the stars. That's the storybook version of Indy. Oh, beautiful. Um, and so if you go online to PonyDreams.com, you can meet Trixie and Indy and Kestrel and Huey. They're all, their pictures are there and videos and information about them. It wasn't that I wanted to write a book. I just wanted a mechanism to connect kids with horses and the book seemed to be the way to do it. But I love that there's a real horse or real horses behind the book. And then you, you also have a lot of really great educational information on the website too, like Pony 101. And talk to us a little bit about, because it, for me, to me, it occurs as not only is there a great story, which we'll talk a little bit more about the story behind the book, but it, there's real horses included. And then it's almost like an educational hub that you've created here for kids to learn even more about right. the horses. So I tried to take the book and tie the educational pieces to it. So in the book is a story of a miniature horse. So there's information about, you know, how do you measure a horse and what's the difference between a real horse and a miniature horse and can, horses really sleep when they're standing up. And so, yeah, the website is meant to just kind of take the book to the next step. That's awesome. I, you know, something like that would have been so great when I was growing up and learning, you know, because we do learn from reading books and a lot of them are stories, but, you know, just having a resource right there that tells children more about horses, particularly if you don't have one in your life or you're not taking lessons is so exciting. So this idea bubbled up for you. And this is the beginning of a, of a series of books that you're planning on working on. Is that right? It's, it is. It's the, the Pony Dreams is the series. So hopefully there will be multiple books. That's exciting. And your book looks beautiful. And you've, you're working with an illustrator. So how, how does that how does that relationship begin? And on your website, there's actually a, a YouTube video, which is so cool of your illustrator drawing the <laughs> right. look, it's so cute. So talk to us about how you met your illustrator and how that relationship kind of blossomed to turn this, this, this idea into reality. Well, that's a great question because I had the idea before I had an illustrator mm -hmm. and so it kind of, well, I mean, first I was like, okay, you have to learn how to write a children's book, you know? So <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, well, maybe we should start there. So how, how did you educate yourself on learning to write a children's book? I mean, this is fascinating. I think people would love to know. Yeah, it's a lot harder than I thought it would be. Uh-huh. Um, I, well, I, I'm very research oriented. And so I ordered bunch of books on Amazon about how to write a children's book. And then I joined an online writing group where every week you submitted, everybody submitted writing, and then you signed up to put together people so you could get feedback on your writing. The first story that I was working on was not actually the story that I wound up publishing. But so I spent probably a year kind of going through that process and realizing what a challenge this all was going to be while I was kind of looking for an illustrator. And so one day I was in town and I was walking by uh, one of the art stores and there was a really gorgeous picture of a, of a horse um, in the window. And so I was like, oh, maybe this person is my illustrator. So I, uh, I met her, we spent some time together and I thought, great, I'm going to hire this person. She can illustrate my book. Well, she did some test illustrations for me. And what I realized was she didn't know anything about horses. Mm-hmm. She was a lovely artist, but she did. And I thought, oh my gosh, I, I can't teach her all the things she would need to know to illustrate a horse book because she has no background in horses. And then I thought, okay, well... <laughs> this is hopeless. Now I have to find an illustrator who's also a horse person, right? (laughs) It it helps. I'm sure. Like just like an editor that knows horses, you know, because there's language, there's movement, there's position of the ears and a non-horse person isn't going to understand those things. So that. Right. So the first illustrations I got back had the halter was like on backwards. (laughs) And that's when I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) This is actually just a remarkable story. So the barn where I had Indy, there was this great woman, Amanda, who was a ranch hand. And so she fed and she mocked and she was just always around and wonderful. And um, she knew that I had this idea about a book and all of this stuff. And she, she never said one thing about being an artist. And so um, she was in a car accident and she broke her right hand and she's right-handed and she had this big cast on her arm and I showed up to the barn one day and on her arm was this like gorgeous illustration of a woman on horseback with a bow and arrow like shooting her bow and it was and I was I said Amanda who did that? And she said, oh, I did. I'm like, aren't you right-handed? She's like, yeah. I said, so you did that illustration left-handed upside down on yourself? She oh. said, yeah. <laughs> so oh. then I spent the better part of at least another year convincing her that she needed to do a children's book with me. <laughs> That's in- an incredible story. I, I mean, left-handed on your own cast drawing yeah. something beautiful. Yeah. So how did you, so she, so how did you convince her to work with you? Like, did you bring the story to her and say, what do you think about the story? Like, so uh, at the time I was working on a story in which my horse Indy was the star character of this book. And so the first test illustrations Amanda did for me 
This was one right here of Indy. And here's another one. And they were wonderful. And fell in love with, you know, her and her art, her, her horse Kestrel. We kind of got stuck with how hard it is to write a book mm. and the concept of a book and what it would take to actually do that. And so I said, hey, Amanda, how about if we just do this online? Maybe, how about we do a blog and we just share stories about horses that we know on the blog with some illustrations and we just go from there and we don't get all wrapped up in the logistics of what it takes to publish a book. And she's like, and that, and that changed everything, right? Because instead of sort of this insurmountable task, it became this fun project. Mm. And so we came up with our story together and our story is about Trixie, who is the smallest horse on the ranch where we have our horses. And, and Trixie's also a therapy horse. And so we came up with a story about what if you had this horse on a ranch who's too small to do any of the things that the big horses do, right? So she can't go round up cattle because she gets lost in the tall grass and she can't be the lead trail horse because she's too small to cross the river and she can't give kids lessons because she's not big enough and what's her purpose and meaning in life mm. so we just started from there and and Amanda started painting and I started getting these illustrations that just really blew my mind you know they're I mean, like this, you know, this beautiful little horse trying to find her place in the world, trying to figure out what her purpose is. I mean, beautiful. I, they're gorgeous. So in, yeah. what is Amanda's background with art? Is she just a natural? Self-taught. That's incredible. Yeah. She's just self-taught. So this is, um, this is Trixie, you know, worrying that she she can't have a job with the other horses you know so I started getting these illustrations and I just thought oh this has to be a book you know it's just I can't just be so by letting go of the idea of writing a book we wound up writing a book that is incredible okay so and then it, again it's another magic story kind of like you connecting with Indy you you yeah <laughs> Right. And even the story in itself is magic because you came up with this idea based on horses at your own, you know, ranch where you're, where you both keep your animals and the magic grew. And it, it looks like Amanda starts her drawings on, in watercolor is, is. She uses something called gouache, which mm. is a type of watercolor. Okay. And I have no idea what that's gouache is. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> called gouache. Well, that's amazing. Okay. So you went, you took the pressure off of having to write a book because initially you thought a book, you, you started in other projects and kind of got your creative juices flowing. And then now you have this book, you decide it has to be a book. What next steps did you take? Like how, how did you, I mean, you educated yourself, yourself on how to write a children's book. You found your illustrator, you got the story written and it took on this life, this magical life of its own. Now what, where did you go from there? Huh. <laughs> Wow. Well, so once we got the story and the illustrations together, I knew that like, if I was going to do a book, I wanted it to be, 
I wanted it to look like it could be at Barnes and Noble and fit in, right? Like I wanted it to be professional and beautiful. Mm -hmm. There's really two routes, right? You could try to go and pitch this and find an agent and get a publisher and go down that route. Or these days you can self-publish. I didn't, I have gone down the agent road before in another period of my life and seen what that's like and and I, um, there's a ton of benefits to that if you can make it happen, but mm, I just, I just wanted to publish my book and not go through that process. So the next step was really to find a designer mm. because as you know, having words and having a book is one thing, but having it put together so that it's beautiful and formatted and accessible is a completely different thing. So I found this company called TLC Design, Tinder Living Care Design, that specializes in, in, well, they do all sorts of books, but they've done a lot of children's books. And so I called them up and, and to, to just find out, you know, what it would cost to have them do the design. And it turns out that they are horse people. Oh my gosh, another magical moment. <laughs> <laughs> And they were so excited about my book. And getting a book's design is not inexpensive. And so um, they worked with me a little bit on price. Um, but so then I had, you know, the cost of designing the book and then printing the book and figuring out what to do next. So I, and I would encourage all authors to do this. So what I started doing was I shared the whole process online. Like I shared the illustrations as they were happening and the story it was ha as it was happening. And then I set up, as it got closer, I set up like a GoFundMe campaign mm. so that people could pre-order the book because the cost of doing the design and getting the books printed and the illustrations scanned wound up being about $10,000, which- oh was not just something like I had in, you know, my back pocket. So I was able to raise about a little over $4,000 through pre-orders. And that went a long way, you know, to, to helping make the actual first print run happen. Wow. So that, so yes. So investing in a dream can cost a little, a little bit of money up front. And the goal is to hopefully recoup that money. And you, you created a beautiful, beautiful product. Uh, can you hold that up for us again? I mean, this is a book that looks like you could absolutely get it in any bookstore. I mean, this is a beautiful product. So talk, talk to us about dis distribution once you had the book created. Is it, is, it a, is it available everywhere or is it only available on your website? Like how are you selling selling your books. Before I talk about that, I yeah. like to talk something a little bit about cost because mm -hmm. if you had told me up front that this was going to cost $10,000 to get this book to print, I would never have even embarked on it, right? Mm -hmm. But kind of once I went started going down the path, it just happened. But if you think about it if if you shift your mind frame from oh my gosh, it's going to cost me $10,000 to publish this book too, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start a brand new business. And for an investment of $10,000, I'm going to have a product that I can share with the world and that I can sell. 
if you change your mindset to that, like what other business can you start for $10,000 and get a brand new product that nobody's ever done before? Mm-hmm. I really can't think of a lot. So once I sort of shifted my mindset, like, I, and I think that that's a helpful thing for other authors. Like don't, don't cut corners, mm. like, spend the money to get a, a book that looks like it belongs in Barnes and Noble or wherever your local independent bookstore, like, you know, just make it happen. I just wanted to touch on that because it is a lot of money, but it can really pay off in more than one way. It, it, great point and excellent advice. And you have a product you're proud of that looks professional. That is beautiful. I mean, every independent author has to invest in their books in the beginning. And, but then, like you said, you have a product that you're proud of that lives on that you can sell for the rest of your life, for the rest of its life, you know, it lives on. And then, you know, and what you're doing too, is you've got a series coming of these books. So you chose to work with an outside company to design and produce your book and get this Mm -hmm. quality product that you have now distribution do you sell it only through your website or are you available? Are you going to go wide with it? Like how, how are you getting the book out to the masses? Distribution is, is definitely tricky if you self-publish. And so my book, so a lot of people do print on demand, which is great because then you don't have to manage inventory. And so you can go through a couple of different ways to have your book available on demand. My book, however, is landscape and not portrait. So originally I thought that I would do print on demand through Amazon, but you can't do that if you have a landscape book. You can only, it might've changed, but at the time they they only did portrait books. Hmm. So I'm involved in a program through Amazon called Amazon Advantage. And it basically, when you sign up for Amazon Advantage, it's for books or music for media, basically, then they place orders for your book. I ship it to them and then they do the fulfillment. Mm -hmm. So I don't actually sell the books through my website because then I would have to deal with, with shipping orders. So instead I have a partnership with Amazon where they take care of, you know, so if you order my book on Amazon, you can get prime, you can get free delivery, and all I, all I have to do is, is ship the books that Amazon orders. And then it's available in local bookstores. I tried for a while to figure out distribution and I just, I couldn't find a partnership that I felt was equitable. Mm. Um, you know, where, where everybody was making money except for me. <laughs> Another difficult part about being an author, yes, is distribution and figuring it out. But the beautiful thing is, is you created the product you want, not within anybody else's specifications, and you still have a partnership with Amazon where you can distribute your product through them, which is yeah, yeah. And I think, and part of why I didn't want to go through a um, traditional publisher is I wanted to pick the title for my book mm-hmm. and I wanted to pick the cover art. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't want that to be a negotiation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one of the reasons I didn't go through it. And Amazon is interesting because sometimes we think about Amazon as this big, well, it is this big giant company with a lot of power, but it does also support independent authors who could not otherwise really have their book 
you know, my book has almost 250, you know, ratings and reviews. Like, I couldn't get that kind of exposure anywhere else, you know? Um, so for me, as an, as an self-published author, it's just been a gift to be able to have this vehicle to get my book out to the world. Yes. And 250 beautiful reviews is nothing to sneeze at on, on a book. That's fantastic. And, and yes, how lucky are we that we are able to control our intellectual property and make the decisions that we want to make and that there are platforms available for us to do this now when they didn't exist before. It's, it is really a blessing. And this has been, so, this is such an interesting conversation because, because you, you have gone at this completely how you want to, you know, you, you haven't fit into anybody, anybody's program or plugged it in based on anybody's specifications. You have completely done your research, chose your route, made your moves, line things up. And I, I think that's really, that's very entrepreneurial to, to <laughs> do that. Uh, and, it, and so <clears throat> moving forward, are you going to continue using the, the designer that created your book for you as you oh, create the rest yeah. of the series? Yes, for mm -hmm. sure. They're wonderful. And when I finished the book, I felt like I had all this knowledge that was kind of hard earned, you know, like just how to do this whole book process. So if anybody wants to, I have a website, a different website. It's called Indie Insights, I-N-D-I-E insights.com which is kind of a play on both my horse's name and independent publishing and on that I I don't know I probably did six different blog posts about my journey and my process and like it breaks down like exactly how much I spent on everything and I you know haven't updated it in a couple of years but it's there and it just it, I it go through my social media campaigns and how I did pre-orders and what Amazon advantages and how it works and what you need to know. So all that information is online. Oh my gosh. So what an amazing gift to offer that and peel back the, you know, the layers to show people what you went through to bring this book into the world. I will make sure to link to that in the show notes so people can check that out because I think they're going to be very interested to learn. And you, you mentioned that more authors should share what it's like for them as they're developing their their products and, and what made you decide to just put it all out there this is what I spent <laughs> I mean you know some people would be nervous to do something like that but you were like open kimono this is this is what it looked like how come you decided to go, to do that for people I just had all this knowledge mm. that that I fought to get you know I mean every step felt painful and hard and scary and new. And I just thought, I, well, I don't know. I just felt like I couldn't just like keep all of that to myself that I wanted to share with other people how I did it, the route I took, why it was successful for me. What an amazing gift. Thank you. I'm, I guarantee listeners of the show, because I, I know a lot of authors that would love to do a children's book and are curious about the process. So this is going to be incredibly valuable to listeners of the show and other, other aspiring authors or other equine authors that want to try this route. So thank you for that. That's, that's, a, that's authors uniting all the way. That's like sharing the well, sharing the knowledge, helping others. I love and that. I'll have to go back and update it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, 
That's the crazy thing is everything's constantly changing, but I'm sure there's there's nuggets of value in, in just seeing where it was and how it progressed and learning about Amazon Advantage and, and all yeah, of that. I just want to say, I this project was never, like, when I did this, I hoped that it would pay for itself, right? Like, I, I initially ordered 3,000 books. And 3,000 books, is they come in boxes of 60. It's a lot of boxes. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, am I going to be carting around these boxes of books for the rest of my life? Am I going to be like this old woman and all my furniture is made out of book boxes? <laughs> and so I just kind of wanted to break even, wanted to share the story, get it out in the world. And I've had three print runs now. So I sold the first 3,000 and then I ordered another 1,500 and then another 5,000, you know, and so I'm on my fourth print run now, you know, so like, like it makes money, like it brings money in every single month. And so it, it is possible to be successful as an author. I mean, I don't, like I have, I have another job, I don't, it's not, but it's, <laughs> it's vacation money, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's money to invest in retirement. It's, it's, it's residual income. You put all that work into it. And then you have this product, like you said at the beginning that can live forever. So when you start looking at the $10,000 investment that way, or however much, you know, like books that aren't illustrated when it costs as much to get to press and, but you have a tangible product that can, can change people's lives and help them feel better about themselves, connect them to horses and, and it can be profitable too. Oh, incredible. So you, so you recouped your investment, you're making money. You have another income stream that's coming in. You can reinvest in the business. You can reinvest in the next book and you are selling books. So yeah good for you. That is, a, that is an incredible success story. And so, you know, this, I, like, I have so many questions. How do you, how do you split, like, how did you work your relationship with your illustrator? Because she's a contributor to the book too. Do you share uh, profit? Did you pay her initially for the, the illustrations? Like how, how did your arrangement with her work out too? Cause I know that's something that a lot of uh, people who are interested in children's books want to know, like, how do you work with an illustrator? How do you, you know, how does that relationship right. work? Right. You know, I feel like illustrators get short shrift most of the time. They usually get paid a flat fee and that's it. And if they're lucky, they get mentioned. And that's not what I wanted at all. I feel like the illustrations are more than, you know, are what make the book what it is. So she gets a percentage mm -hmm. of it. Um, so I just, I just put a check in the mail for her yesterday. So yeah, for each print run, she gets a percentage of the profits. So, so again, she can, you know, she continually gets some income from this as well. Fantastic. So you're taking good care of your partnership because she's in it with you too for the long run, because, yeah. you know, it's like you, you create the stories and the words and well, and, and work together on that too. But then her illustrations kind of, you know, they, they are beautiful and you want to keep that relationship healthy so you can continue your series and have even yeah. more success. And that's great. Yeah. It's, it's tricky. Like every partnership with an illustrator I, I've heard on different interviews on the podcast is the arrangement is a little bit different, but you have to make an arrangement. You have to figure out how 
you're going to work with your illustrator and there's lots of resources to educate yourself to do that as well. Right. I mean, if you look at my book cover too, oh, seems so hard. I mean, her name is this, you know, she gets equal billing. Like mm -hmm. she absolutely was, couldn't have done it without her. Would oh. still have been an idea that was never realized. An, a magical partnership. You gotta, you gotta, those are blessings. You gotta hang on to those. That being said, you've sold a lot of books since this first one came out. H how do you reach your readers? Are you going, well, you know, pre, pre COVID, did you do events? Did you go to horse shows? Is it word of mouth? Is it social media? Like, what are you doing to get your book in front of readers? Because you're selling a lot of books. So to get to, well, there's a couple of things. One is like, we've done a lot of locally school events. You know, we, mm. we went into one school, they asked us to come in and we did a whole kind of day on how do you publish a book and how do you come up with an idea? And we did a big slideshow about it. So whenever those opportunities come up, we take advantage of them. Locally, the bookstores have just been so supportive. You know, they all carry the book and promote the book and that's wonderful. But then on Amazon, one of the other things you can do is you can, and, and this is kind of critical if, I mean, there's so many books on Amazon, but you, so <laughs> you have to be willing to pay for some advertising when you first get your book on Amazon. Mm. So for a while I did, you know, pay for click advertising where your book shows up when people search and if they click on it, then you get charged. And so, but if they click on it and they buy it, then the organic rankings of your book go up and it starts showing up. And so I did that for a while to get it in front of people. And then after a while, hopefully it just takes on a life of its own and you can stop paying for advertising. Mm -hmm. But um, then during the holidays, I will advertise it via Facebook um, and target people who like courses. And that's always effective too. That's brilliant. And talk to us about approaching local bookstores because I mean, you are your own publisher. So you have your own public publishing house you create your own product, you keep it in-house. Talk to us about how you created relationships with your local bookstores. That's a great question, Carly. So I, I, <laughs> I remember my very first bookstore that I went to, we have this great bookstore called Treehouse Books. Mm. Um, and they're a kid's book, kids bookstore. And I had my book in envelope, like a, you know, brown envelope. And I was like, hi, I have this book that I self-published and I could, I could see her kind of be like, okay, I'm stealing myself now to say no, you know, and this is where it's so important to, to take that extra time and the extra money and get it professionally designed, you know, and, and to go that route. Because when she took it out of the envelope, I could almost just see like this visible sigh of relief that she wasn't going to, you know, that she was like, oh my gosh, it's, it's a beautiful product. And I would love to have this in my store. And she wrote me a check for a dozen books right then and there. So yeah, it was amazing. Like, and, and that's what my experience has been in all the local stores that carry it is they love it. They're excited to support a local author and have my book out there, but you, you've, You've just got to take that extra time to make sure that you you can really be proud of what you produce, and and that means investing in design, mm -hmm. uh, it, particularly with a children's book with illustrations. Yes, and, yeah. I mean, it's there's a certain expectation 
when it comes to a children's book. And that's fantastic. So, so did you, so you went in there and you, and she bought 12 and she, did you offer her a discount? There's the opportunity for consignment and then there's opportunity. She bought them right out, right from you. So, right. so I, I don't do consignment. So normally the split with bookstores is 60, 40 in that the author gets 60, the bookstore gets 40%, but I just do 50, 50 with all of my local bookstores. There you go. I, I mean, really, thank you for pulling back the veil. I mean, you're sharing so much wonderful information for <laughs> other authors and I really, really appreciate it. I mean, it's just interesting to ask questions because this, this is very different than independent publishing through a print on demand platform. I mean, you are literally your own publisher, housing your own books, right. making your own deals with local just, you know, places to distribute it and partnering with Amazon in a way where you, you are in complete control. You're just using them as an outlet to get your book into the world. So this is a very right. fascinating interview and you're making the investment, but you're earning back what you're investing. And it, it just sounds all around like you've done you've done everything right. But the key is you educated yourself and now you're helping educate others by sharing your knowledge, which is, which is really incredible because this is another way of doing it. You know, that you don't have to do it any one way. You can choose the way you want to independently publish. If you want to independently publish, it just, it all comes down to a really quality product, which I hear you saying often. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, I'm lucky too, Carly. Like I, I live in a pretty small area in Southern Oregon population wise, but we happen to have a, a phenomenal printer right here. And so I don't have to get my books shipped, you know, like I, they get delivered to my garage, you know, and I, and so the story would change a lot if I had to like print somewhere else and have the book shipped to me and pay for shipping and then pay for shipping again to Amazon. Like there's a lot that goes into figuring out, you know, <laughs> there's a, there's, there's a lot of logistics involved in putting it all together and it's going to look differently for every author. Mm -hmm. And what, that, that is so interesting. I, I thought that the company that you had designed the book was the one doing the printing and providing it to you, but you work with, you take the files and you go to a local printer. Right. Yep. Wow. Well, I mean, that makes, that makes a whole lot of sense. So they design it, then you find your printer, you work with your printer, who is local, which helps out a lot. Uh, okay. So you're like all in running a little public publishing house all on your yeah. own there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one of the most exciting things in my whole life was the, the very first print run. Cause I took a video of the print books coming off the press. Cool. And it, it, it's just, it was just amazing to see all these little tricksies coming off the, you know, printer and uh, going through the whole process of how they fold the pages and cut the pages and put the cover on. And, and it's, it's really exciting to see. Wow. How, how neat. This is like, you're, you're making it happen. I love that. So I, I always like to ask these questions too, because I mean, the answers are always a little bit different, but, but for you, what is the hardest part about being an author of children's book? But on the flip side, what's the best part of being an author of children's books? I mean, the hardest part was the beginning and just trying to figure out what it was going to look like, how it was going to happen. So I think it was 
three, three and a half years from initial idea to actually getting the product out there. Sometimes I kind of get into this rut where I'm just shipping books to Amazon and I'm kind of thinking of it as a product, right? But the most rewarding part is I get these emails from people and, and sometimes from kids telling me how the book touched or changed their lives. And I read the reviews on Amazon that are just overflowing with love and kindness for the book. And gosh, I would do it all for free. (laughs) I mean, just knowing that it had the intended effect, which is to connect kids and people with the beauty and majesty of horses and let them feel it in, in, in a deep and meaningful way. That's the best part. Oh, melt my heart. That was, that was so beautiful. And, and yeah, I mean, you created something that never existed before and you're telling a story that moves and touches and inspires people. And it's about horses with beautiful illustrations. I mean, does it get any better than that? And you know, own every aspect of creating this thing, you know, it's like, and it, that's, you said something really, really awesome there. It's like, sometimes we get in these ruts, but we have to remember like the, the, the beauty that this thing gives to others, you know, and that's why we write. That's why we create these products is, is for those moments where we t- help touch other people. That's really cool. What advice would you give yourself? if you could go back before you published your first book, what would you say to yourself? Keep the faith. Mm. (laughs) Keep the faith. Yeah. And investigate every avenue. The other thing that I really, the advice that I would give to myself and anybody else is to treat it like a job. I mean, it's a job that you love and you want to do, but treat it like your job. Set yourself deadlines, make a budget, um, figure out how to meet that budget. And like, I I mean, I paid to have my book edited and that was the best decision I made because the editor I worked with was able to look at it from a fresh perspective. And she gave me a piece of advice that made the book so much better. She just said, I think you need to flip the story on its head. And I was like, oh, okay. And I couldn't have done that. So like, yeah. So, so just treat it like, treat it like a job and, you know, come up with a business plan and a marketing plan and a sales and distribution plan. Like it's wonderful to want to write a book, but if you want to write a book and actually be able to share it, you need to think about all the other aspects too. And, and they are daunting. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but, but also just keep the faith, you know, do all those things and then believe in yourself and believe that you can make it happen. Oh, and look at you. You are the perfect example of making it happen. You did all the right things. You didn't leave out a step. You got your editor, you worked with your illustrator, you created partnerships, a little magic sprinkled in, and now you have this beautiful product (laughs) and you're going to continue it. And it's just, congratulations. That is, that is Uh, really fantastic. So <laughs> what is next? Like, what are you curious about, curious about? Where are you taking, you know, this magical, this magical beginning and where are you taking it? What's, what's next for you? Well, we are hard at work on the second book. Uh, the first book was called The Smallest Horse. 
And the next book is called Mango's Brave Day. <laughs> and Mango is a new character. For me, I wanted each of the books to kind of have a moral to them or a life lesson mm. like, that kids could get. And so the first book was kind of about what makes you special. And it might not be the same thing that makes other people special and what makes you unique. And in the second book, the horses all go camping. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, the smallest horse from the first book, Trixie, gets lost, and the horses have to go find her. And Mango is a horse that's never been out of an arena. So she's never been on a trail ride. <laughs> she's never been camping. And so she has to learn to be brave and courageous. And so each one of the horses in the books teaches her something about what it means to be brave, like that you have to trust yourself, you have to trust others, you have to learn to trust your own instincts. And so the second book's really kind of about learning how to be confident and, and be brave so that you can help somebody else. Oh my goodness. I love that. I love that. That's so wonderful and exactly what we need. I mean, you know, books with the moral that teaches us how to enjoy life. It sounds like every horse lover would enjoy these books or even non-horse lovers. It just, oh, I think so. yeah. I mean, I feel like there's no age limit on the joy that your books are going to bring to people at all. I mean, I can't, I'm excited for you. <laughs> Thank you. So Lori, I have loved having you on the show. I, I feel like we could have talked for four hours longer and I would love to have you back on the show to talk more as your series progresses and and learn more about what's going on behind the scenes with you. But for now, would you let listeners know where they can find you in your books? Sure. Um, go to ponydreams.com is my website. And that um, you can learn all about the Pony Dreams project and what our goals are and meet the horses in our lives. And then if you want to order the book, the best way to do it is to go to Amazon and just search for the smallest horse. And I will make sure to link to all of those places in Lori's show notes, including the videos that she's going to share with us in that great website, IndieInsights.com, where you can learn more about the behind the scenes developing her beautiful book. So Lori, thank you so much for the gift of your time today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been really kind of fun to, it's been three years since the book came out and it's been fun to kind of relive the process. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes. And make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.